The student not particularly caring too much as to the underlying UX or the color scheme or um, their, uh, their experience. All they cared about really was just getting through the exam. Welcome to Tech Talks, the podcast brought to you by Nash Squared and hosted by myself, David Savage, that's been bringing you the latest thinking from technology leaders for over eight years. On today's show, we're taking a trip down memory lane as we talk about exam results. We've got Umaker on the show talking all about leveling the playing field for education. And we're doing that because, well, it's GCSE Results Day. And it was A-level Results Day last week, Akish. Did you, do, do you remember those days? I remember those days very fondly. Yeah? Dave. Very, very fondly. Yeah. yeah. Spe- was- specifically exam results day? Specifically exam results. Specifically GCSEs as well, because I absolutely nailed my GCSEs. Did you? Yeah. I have no idea what I, you got at GCSE. In, in the region of Berkshire, uh, so sorry, I want to say East Berkshire, which mm-hmm. is where I went to school, I got the third highest in for my year. What are you doing in recruitment? <laughs> just... Got, got passion for people. Yeah, uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, if you are interested, got seven A stars, five A's. Look at you. Correct. It all went downhill from there because then I discovered pubs, clubs, going out, drinking, and and everything else. So, you know, that that's what my mum always says. She goes, up until GCSEs, it was an absolute, you know, rock star, like, dream child, and then uh, it all went downhill from there. So that's why you're in recruitment. I have a passion for people. <laughs> um, oh we jest we yeah. jest no yeah. I I, um, I was I in France for my GCSE results my mum really? and dad didn't even bother to bring me home I had to get my results over, over the phone from a friend who'd picked them up really yeah ah okay they were enough. okay yeah. what did I get I think I got one A star four A's five B's and a C or something were they called O levels <laughs> fuck off <laughs> in your time were they called o levels they were not called o levels no oh okay fair enough okay okay oh, oh jesus <laughs> my mom did o levels I, I i think okay. i think yeah. i'm pretty sure my sister yeah my sister did gcse's well she probably killed me for going i'm pretty sure my sister did gcse's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just i'm just a minute just hang on let's let's have a quick let's have a quick google when did it become gcse's I'm going to say late 90s. Maybe? September 86. Oh, okay. Late 80s then. Okay. Yeah. I was born in 84, so I was, you know, hmm. I was definitely I was definitely GCSEs. You were destined for GCSEs, mate. Yeah. yeah now yeah, they get like yeah. nines and things, which makes no sense yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I don't really understand it. I mean, I went to a... Um, I think I've said on a pod before, I went to a boys' school and it was... Um, no, a little, little bit know, of a shoulder shrug there, a little bit of you. I love my school. I love my school. No, no. No, okay, fair enough, okay. It wasn't, but it it may as well be because it was <laughs> it was the, it was the other side of the river to Eton College, basically. Uh, so we, isn't the other we, side of the river the... Hang on, the other side of the... No, I'm thinking the other side of the motorway is the castle. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we used to uh, we used to say we're the best school on this side of the river and they're the best school on that side. Um, but anyway, but it was the one day that you used to go back, um, you know, to school and you used to be able to wear your own like clothes and you know it was a bit of buzz in the air and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So. Well, mate, my school, Bobby and Jackie Charlton. Really? Yeah, and oh. Jay Middlemiss. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I like it. mine was uh, Peter Jones. Peter Jones is the alumni of my school. Bobby Charlton. 
Jackie Chan. Oh. Anyway, um, on today's show, as I've said, we're going to be talking all about generative AI and education because Umaker are a generative AI business, but they have a niche in education and they are trying to level the playing field. So we'll hand over to our interview with Abbas and we will be back afterwards. I'm joined by Abbas, uh, one half of the co-founding team behind Umaker. Umaker were previously on Tech Talks uh, in October 2021. So it's nice to actually catch up. It's almost two years ago. That's that's shocking, actually, thinking about it. It's like uh, the, the last couple of years has been a bit of a blur. I'm, yeah, uh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> there's the COVID blur and then there's the startup blur. <laughs> what I wrote on um, the episode notes for that show was Abbas and Rami, your co-founder, co-founders of Umaker, previously an invention platform, now using AI to create original text for students. Is it their work? Is it cheating? Is it simply progress? We cool. delve into their pivot and where the platform is going. Cool. Fast forward two years, original text for students. Well, that's generative AI, right? That is generative AI, yeah, in a nutshell, absolutely. Um, which at the time I was like, this is, this is, wow. And then obviously something else has come along in the meantime, and that must have meant that it has been a fairly interesting time for you. Yeah, I think in terms of like when we first came out, like we were, I think we were one of the first in the world to like do something like this. Um, and a lot of the, the feedback that we were getting was specific to like the ethics of it. Um, you know, does it undermine the, uh, the academic process? Um, and now, kind of in the post-ChatGPT world, all of those questions are, um, are eliminated and have completely been diluted. Um, and so, um, yeah, we've had to kind of ride that wave of like this new technology. Um, and then over and above that, um, you know, face the reality of having to compete with not just one of the most successful apps in history, but the most successful app in history. Um, which has caused a tremendous level of disruption, not just to our business, but to everyone. And so, yeah, it's been a worldwide, whirlwind yeah. crazy journey. So, so let's pause there for a second, because what is it? What is it to be the founder of a scaling business? Yeah, that was getting traction. Yeah, that isn't ChatGPT. That more or less does a very similar thing, and then mm. having to go up against not only open AI, but then in a space where you've got Bard and you've got, every, you know, you've got Google, you've got all of those companies coming out, Microsoft, with their own versions, and you don't have their resources. Mm. How do you survive? I think, um, you know, one of the great things about being a startup is that you can be extremely nimble. And one of the things about a startup is that the, the process of iteration should ideally never finish. It should just constantly be updating and iterating. You go through the pr process of hypothesizing what the problems are for the user, and then um, getting that feedback, hypothesizing as to ways in which, you know, these problems can be solved and um, testing. And then doing that thousands and thousands and thousands of times um, until you get something which you know really solves a, a problem in the market, and I think, irrespective of whether it's a hundred people or five people concentrating on the problem, um, I don't feel that the size of the operation um, necessarily determines the 
the ability to solve that problem. Um, and we've seen that time and time again throughout kind of tech history, where small teams crack massive problems in the market, which are otherwise overlooked. Um, and I think when you're in that kind of small team, you're more able to kind of challenge the, the status quo, you're more able to um, kind of challenge the, the conventional wisdom. And I think that's what we've what we've done. And so when we launched, we went from like zero to like 100,000 users. And we did it with no marketing spend. Um, and then when ChatGPT happened, we were like, oh, we still got a lead. Um, our algorithm was very cost effective. We were one of the first to kind of like massively reduce the cost of generative AI by a factor of 10. Um, and then ChatGPT went free. And then that slapped us in the face. And then we went back to the drawing board again. Um, and I think had we been less seasoned, it would have been a shock to us. But this is now year... I think year six of the business. Um, and we're, we're so used to the iterative process that it's just kind of become normal for us, really. Now, let me ask this very quickly. What data is your AI learning from to help create the text that it creates? So I think... Um, in the first instance, like we get a lot of student um, interaction on the platform, and that has allowed us to make our algorithms, you know, very academically focused, and therefore the output is uh, is tailored to that particular use case. Whilst we do uh, leverage upon the underlying large language model, which in many cases is uh, GPT-4, but in other cases has been, you know, Cohere or the likes of AI-21, um, the um, the data stems from, I think, those two principal sources. But I think it's important, I think, um, uh, David, to, to mention that, you know, post our writing tool and then post kind of chat GPT, we, we went down the kind of like feedback process and be like, okay, well, what else do you need? You know, um, uh, Joe student, how can we help you? And I think um, the feedback that we were getting was just with regards to the student not particularly caring too much as to the underlying UX or the color scheme or um, um, their uh, their experience. Um, all they cared about really was just getting through the exam. And um, we we the, the 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 feedback was really poignant across many of our users. Just just help help me get through the exam. That's all I care about. And that kind of coincided with. Um, like mine and Rami's experience of like how we prepared for our exams. And so in addition to um, the writing tool, the, the company has evolved into helping students get through their exams. And so the student can now come to Umaker and interact with our website and our algorithm and basically use that AI to predict upcoming exam questions. And if they become stuck, they can leverage upon our AI tutor to, um, to kind of provide that bespoke level of teaching to help them facilitate their academic journey. Oh, look, my, my question was phrased to hopefully try and tease it. Well, what are the differences between you and, you know, you're not just another chat GPT. No. You, you, there are real concerns around generative AI as have been highlighted in the news by, say, the the, the acting profession yeah. um, and and musicians and the like yeah. around this 
this creation of, of content. Yeah. But is the academic community broadly supportive of what you're doing, given that there's more of a focus and therefore, I suppose, less ambiguity about where, where the data is coming from? So we spoke to a ton of schools and a ton of like teachers um, in this uh, in this space as to what we're doing and the journey that we're going on. I feel that the academic community is, is quite hesitant as it relates to a technology that could potentially replace um, teaching. Um, and I think uh, there's a sense of passion um, as it relates to uh, that feedback, because it's very difficult to replace a teacher with a robot. Um, and so any technology that lends towards that, I think that we, the, the feedback that we got, that there would be a lot of uh, resistance to that. If, however, there's a technology that can um, accelerate uh, the teaching process, if there's a, a technology that can make a teacher's life easier, um, then that would be welcomed in, with, with, with open arms. Um, and, and so we, we took that feedback and incorporated it into, uh, into the product. So whilst there is um, you know, no chance of us replacing a teacher or, or, or um, changing the, uh, the traditional teaching format, um, you, know, you make it as it relates to AI predicting exam questions or AI tutoring on the back of answering those questions um, that helps the teacher very much so. And I think that's the journey that we're going on. And look, we, we're currently in the UK between, as uh, when we're recording, the A-level results and the GCSE results. Correct. And I hope that we will get this out on Tuesday, which will be Tuesday the 22nd. And I think the GCSE results are out on the 24th. Yes, correct. Is Umaker a tool that high school um, kids, both in the UK and the US, but abroad, use to help them for those. Is this is this university college students in terms of questions, or is this A level? Is this GCSE? What what kind of what kind of age groups is this tool appropriate for? So the manner with which we're we're building um, UMaker allows for any student really to um, engage um, with the AI, um, irrespective of age, irrespective of subject, irrespective of uh, region. I mean, to a greater or lesser extent. Um, and so um, whilst we're not targeting a particular subject, and whilst we're not particularly uh, targeting a particular type of student, um, we do have I think speciality focus on on certain areas and um, the students as and when they they kind of pre-register for the product um, they'll uh, they'll notice that but I think if you're a GCSE student in the UK or if you're an A-level student uh, or even if you're doing an undergraduate degree uh, UMaker will certainly help you god willing um, as it relates to your exam preparation. So here's a question then um, and and I think it's it's an important one to ask. What what's the financial model? Is this B two B? Is this B two C? In in those kind of parlance, because if if this is about um, education and this is about helping kids, then mm. you want to make sure that the kids in the least um, advantageous of backgrounds still have access to a tool like this that allows them to to perform well and compete. And you don't want it to be a a brilliant teaching tool that's only available to those with the means to access it. So when we launched the writing tool, um, we we hit product market fit within the B two C um, avenue, 
Um, but since then, with the development of the um, exam question um, AI uh, tool um, and the AI tutor, um, we're now seeing a lot of interest um, uh, from from schools and tutoring houses across the globe. And so um, we feel the, the model now best is the, the B2B. And so schools will and or tutoring houses will then pay for it, um, which will then allow for students to, to access it accordingly. So what are your plans? Generative AI isn't going anywhere. You're, you've got, you found a niche, you've survived the fact that ChatGPT came along and all of a sudden the market got very, very hot. Where do you go from here? I think it's just a question of just continuing along this uh, this trajectory. Um, you know, we just completed another funding round, thank God, um, and um, you know the team is expanding. Uh, we're just hiring engineers and um, you know building the algorithms to give the students the the, the best experience. Um, and I think in the short term, our, our firm aim is God willing to get to five hundred thousand in ARR. Which we think will, you know, be the the minimum basis to unlock the next round of uh, of funding. Um, I if think you more, don't mind me jumping in, by the way, we, 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 you've just closed a round of funding. Which which round was that? That would be our pre-seed. Pre-seed. Okay. How how was that as an experience? Because obviously, there's a lot of chatter at the minute about the market drying up. Uh, so I, I'm 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 head of fundraising at Umaker, um, <laughs> and so you've been living uh, it. Uh, it, it was. It was. It was not, not talking about specifics. I mean, obviously, I, it's just a general comment on the fact that the markets at the minute there feels like it's it's heading back towards safety. I suppose on the one hand, people could look at, at your products and go, "Oh well, it's it's generative AI and that's exciting," and then they could go, "Oh, well, it's generative AI, but it's it's not ChatGPT and Bard and that." You know, to to all of those comments that we had before, it's it's just an interesting one when when it does seem to be that the market is slightly drying up. So. I, in our experience, it took me about a year, uh, yeah. whereas I was planning for about six months. It took over a year, and I was planning for six months. Um, and whilst we hit our uh, funding milestone, um, in my experience, and my advice to founders is to kind of prepare for an environment where the conversations take twice as long, and right. the amount of money that's eventually deposited uh, is, is half as much as you'd expect. Um, and so... I don't, I don't agree that the, the market is um, kind of fertile. I do agree that it's turning and the confidence is returning. Um, but ultimately, you know, if you look at the amount of liquidity in the market, the cost of capital, um, you know, it's, it's at its, the amount of liquidity is, is quite low. And I think the cost of capital is at its highest point for maybe 10 years or so. So, um, you know, these variables have to be factored in um, and uh, it, it makes the, 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 the fundraising climate, um, you know, very, very difficult. And you just have to absolutely be completely tenacious, uh, take every single meeting, explore every single medium, whether it's cold emails or LinkedIn outreach or like networking events or uh, investor consortiums or whatever. Um, and then um, just keep going. Um and look, I'm sorry to have interrupted your flow on the way you make it going, but people listening in, you know, they should know that you have a background in finance. So when you're talking about the market and finances, understanding it's not, it's not like you're a first time founder who is wholly green to all of this. So I think your advice comes with a, 
a real kind of stamp of, of authority for understanding this stuff. Look, but anyway, getting, getting back to where, where are you, mate, heading? So I think, yeah, like I said, in, in, in the short term, um, you know, we're, we're in discussions now with schools and tutoring colleges mm. or globally, really. Um, and uh, the short term goal is to hit that 500K in, um, in ARR uh, alongside other kind of internal metrics, um, which we think will unlock the next round of funding. Over and above that, I mean, ultimately, I mean, you know, I think if you look at our journey, especially Rami's journey, um, you know, he, uh, I mean, he, he, he was born in Iraq, you know, he, he had to leave during the war, uh, got asylum in Sweden, um, learned Swedish, managed to blag his way into the UK um, to read physics at Cambridge. You know? <laughs> and he's had to overcome uh, hurdle after hurdle, you know, um, and he emerged as a diamond. But there's many students, David, that get left behind. Um, yeah. academically and it's not because they don't work hard and it's not because they're not smart but maybe because I don't know they're a refugee or you know their parents can't afford private tutoring or you know any hundreds of other reasons and that's ultimately the long-term goal to, to try and at least level the playing field and to uplift many millions of students um, who otherwise would be forgotten yeah it's interesting I um I was asked about uh, an event that's coming up that we're running as an organization and we were talking about AI and that and someone phrased, you know, AI, is it friend or foe? And I feel, I feel it's far too simplistic a, a question. I said that's, that's not particularly interesting to ask that question. We know that technology is neither good nor bad and it's great to see examples like this where you're trying to use something that that's available but do it in a way that uh, that does level the playing field so fingers crossed it continues to go well thanks for spending some time this morning and uh hopefully it's not nearly two years until we talk again listen um it's been such a roller coaster journey i don't know where where, where we're going to be and what's going to be happening in, in in two years but um it's been uh, the best journey of my life thus far and uh god willing long may it continue Right, we're talking today all about education. Obviously, um, this is an international podcast and there's lots of references to things like GCSEs and A-levels here and the Americans will be very confused. They've got SATs and things, which I don't understand. But we have got a news story about education in America and it's all about the rise of virtual teaching because apparently there is a shortage of teachers. So the remote trend that started, obviously, during the pandemic has continued. But parents weren't even aware that it's continuing until they've gone in to speak to school about various different grades. This blows my mind. Mm. Basically, you can bring a teacher into your kitchen or your living room or your house and you can kind of just be like, there you go. Like, you know, get your kids up and running. And, and that will, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And I didn't understand there was such a shortage of teachers as well. I think, what's that article say? About 40%? Off the like the nation schools are, are, are low on on teachers. Yeah, um, it's some it's something quite alarming. More than forty percent of the nation school reported teacher vacancies last year. Yeah, and which is that's that off. That is that is a lot, right? And yeah, and we've obviously here in the UK. I mean, we can talk from a regional level, right? Like we've had so teacher striking in the last year or so. About yeah, I'm not going to get yeah, into specifics because uh, I I, I no, no, no. would plead ignorance. But, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, so we do understand that there are difficulties and issues and stuff. But I mean, wow. Um, I, I think the thing that blew my mind about this is that there, there's quotes halfway through where it talks about um, 
it seems to be developing into a behind-the-scenes boom industry. This has kind of just crept up on people. Huge amounts of money being spent by school districts all over the country, the country being obviously the US here. But parents weren't really aware. And apparently it's always been this thing that, you know, if you wanted to... um, I, I don't know why you would want to, but if you wanted to to, to study Latin, I think my dad right. studied Latin. I, I don't know why why a modern American would want to study Latin, but there we go. Um, or advanced like placement calculus. Well, fair right. enough, because there aren't going to be many teachers who can teach those subjects, and you might have to look for for kind of um, additional resources and technology providing that. Great, but now it's core subjects. Mm. And and that's. I, when I was reading the article, again, take it back to, to my childhood, um, I used to go to a private tutor on the weekends and my parents used to drop me off. And, you know, every two weeks, they my dad would come and pick me up and he would pay this tutor, at, at you know, when I was in school, like 11, 12 years old or whatever. And then for my GCSEs and A-levels, some reasonable money. You know, those times it was like £50 a session and £50 went a lot longer um, you know, went a longer way than it did as it, you know, today. So I think in terms of the industry, like the fact that you can have these online things and you can access so many more people at flexible times is unbelievable. Like, I think, you know, we need to, um, this is definitely something like, you know, someone like, I think there's something in there, but they did like a $7 million contract for mm. 600 live sessions. I mean, the markup on that is <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, Mate, no, I, I, I know a few teachers. I'm thinking of just, you know, buying a Zoom license and <laughs> packaging it. <laughs> teaching Latin for the, for the masses. Teaching no. Latin. Um, I mean, look, the, the, the t- joking aside, the teachers in here, they're not necessarily opposed to virtual instruction. And obviously, again, if we're talking about leveling the playing field, there are some parts of the States where it would not be possible to get the level of teaching to those kids without virtual instruction and technology giving access to those who might not have it is great but understandably parents are worried about kids going to like a a cubicle kind of call center style learning environment which is not what school was to me and i'm sure it wasn't to you and um you know they're, they're saying that the environment's not conducive to learning you know, coming out of the pandemic, it doesn't support them being able to function in the classroom. And that's a big part of going on to function in the workplace. I know a lot of our work is now hybrid, but we still value working together and collaboratively. And if you don't have that in an education setting, how are you supposed to develop those skills? That's it, right? I mean, we've we've just sat here, or I've sat here kind of reminiscing my days in school. And, and, and there are certain things that I still do to this day that I have picked up or learned in school or, you know, mannerisms that I may have sort of picked up and has to throw think, rocks at Eton. Rocks at Eton. Yeah. 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 But also, you know, business. Them to, yeah. yeah. Cap- captaining the first seven to beat him oh, in 50 right. years for the first time. Anyway, it's not about me, this pod. Okay. Um, but I think that that's the biggest thing. Yeah. That's the key thing. Right. And I think when we look at um, the, the sort of next generation or, you know, our, we, when we talk about our children and kids and STEM and, you know, kind of all these different um, sort of things when it comes to education, that human piece and that uh, element of interacting, you know, um, realizing that maybe you're not as good as you think you are, right? Yeah. And, and the competitive spirit, getting things wrong 
but learning from getting those wrong, you know, and, and speaking to people who are getting things right in school. And I think that is huge. Like you can't do that with a headset on in front of a screen. And, no. and all it does is it just encourage, yes, it encourages, you know, direct maybe communication from a teacher that maybe they don't necessarily get in a classroom. I a hundred percent get that. But I think it's the, the human piece, which, you know, I, I don't want to say I know how to predict the future, but you know, if, if things like this sort of carry on in the same way and gain more momentum, yeah, I'm absolutely for it. I think it's great, but I do think that in 30 years' time, um, we will have a generation that, you know, type to talk to each other rather than just talk. tap someone on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, um, if you are getting your GCSE results today or probably more likely given our, our listener demographic, if your children are getting their GCSE results today, we wish you all the very best. Hopefully it's a happy household and you've got reason to celebrate. So enjoy that. And uh, Akish, thanks for your time today. No worries. No worries.